Tiberius Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, known to history as simply Claudius, was the fourth emperor of Rome. Of the emperors that came before him, and all those who came after him, he was the most unlikely of emperors. Up until the moment he became emperor, no one during his entire life seriously thought of him as emperor material. And when he became emperor, he surprised everyone. Learn more about Emperor Claudius and his surprising rise to power on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. You've probably heard the old adage that you are what you eat. Nowhere is this more true than with the meats and seafood you consume. That's why ButcherBox sources only the highest quality meats and seafood. All of their beef is grass-fed and grass-finished. All of their chicken is pasture-raised. And all of their seafood is wild-caught. And they do this by finding only the best producers who can meet their high-quality standards. Make a commitment to eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered directly to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips. For free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Claudius was born Tiberius Claudius Drusus in the year 10 BC into the Roman imperial family. His father was Drusus, an extremely competent and popular commander. Drusus gained fame by fighting Germanic tribes in the north. Drusus may have been one of only four Roman generals in history to have achieved its greatest and rarest military honor, the Spolia Opima. The Spolia Opima was only awarded to a general who defeated another enemy general in single combat and then looted their armor and weapons. Drusus was the son of Livia and her first husband, Tiberius Claudius Nero. When Livia married Augustus, Augustus adopted Drusus and his brother, and future emperor, Tiberius. On Claudius's mother's side, he also had an impeccable pedigree. His mother was Antonia Minor, the youngest daughter of Mark Antony and Octavia, the sister of Augustus. Despite being a member of the imperial family, Claudius was not like his other relatives. For his entire life, Claudius was shunned, ostracized, and ridiculed by his own family. And the reason for this was that Claudius was what we would call today disabled. We aren't exactly sure what ailment inflicted Claudius, as the Romans were not very good at diagnosing such things. 
From what historians tell us, his knees were weak, he would walk with a limp, his head would often shake from side to side, and he would stammer when he talked, sometimes appearing confused. If he became angry or agitated, which he often did, his condition would worsen, slobbering with a runny nose. And on top of all that, he was hard of hearing. By all accounts, he had no visible physical deformities, however. Subsequent historians have tried to diagnose what afflicted Claudius. A popular theory is that he suffered from some illness as a child, perhaps something like polio or measles, which then affected him for the rest of his life. Current theories posit that he may have had cerebral palsy or Tourette's syndrome. Romans of that time had no empathy or understanding of people with disabilities. In their view, people like Claudius suffered these ailments due to a lack of willpower or intelligence. As such, Claudius was an embarrassment to the imperial family. His father Drusus died when he was only two years old. His mother Antonia supposedly described Claudius as, quote, a monstrosity of a human being, one that nature began and never finished. His sister Lavilla reportedly prayed to the gods that Claudius would never become emperor. His mother basically abandoned raising Claudius and passed him off to his grandmother Livia. She was only marginally better. They eventually hired a mule driver to look after him under the theory that he just needed discipline. His family assumed that because of his physical ailments, Claudius must have been stupid. As we will see, Claudius was actually anything but. All of the other young men in the imperial family were given civil or military assignments to prepare them for a future career in politics. Claudius was not. As a teenager, Claudius took an interest in history, and the Roman historian Livy was actually hired to tutor him. He befriended the Stoic philosopher Athenodorus, as well as the future king of Judea, Herod Agrippa, who was raised in the imperial court. Not only was Claudius not an idiot, he proved to be highly intelligent, something that his grandfather, the emperor Augustus, may have realized just before he died. With an ability to focus on history and not having any other obligations, he began to write a history of the Roman civil wars that took place a generation before him. These were the civil wars that brought his family to power. What Claudius wrote never saw the light of day, and copies of it never survived. But by all accounts, what he wrote was a brutally honest account of the rise to power of Julius Caesar and Augustus. It was, in fact, too honest. It didn't conform to the narrative that the imperial family was trying to create. And it reminded everyone in the family that Claudius was also the grandson of Mark Antony, the mortal enemy of Augustus. The history he wrote probably ruined whatever chances he had of holding public office. At the age of 23, Augustus died and his uncle Tiberius ascended to the imperial throne. Claudius made an appeal to allow him to begin ascending the Cursus Honorum, the series of public offices that elite Romans would hold on the way to becoming consul. Tiberius declined to give Claudius any office, and Claudius retired to private life. He continued his historical writings, writing works on the history of the Latin alphabet, Carthage, the Etruscans, and the Roman Republic. The historian Tacitus claimed to have used the works of Claudius for his writings. Meanwhile, the political intrigue that surrounded the imperial throne swirled around Claudius, but he remained immune to everything, as no one saw Claudius as a threat. Claudius's older brother Germanicus was eventually tapped to succeed Tiberius. Germanicus was very charismatic, a successful general, and was extremely popular with the people. He was killed under suspicious circumstances, probably poisoned. Many people believe that Tiberius had him killed because of his popularity, or it may have been his right-hand man, Sejanus, who did it to remove a rival. And I'll refer to you my episode on Sejanus and his very sudden and dramatic downfall. Tiberius' son, Drusus, also died under mysterious circumstances. 
When Tiberius himself died in the year 37, the imperial crown passed down to Tiberius's nephew, the son of Germanicus and the nephew of Claudius, Caligula. If you know anything about Caligula, you know that he is widely regarded as one of the worst emperors in history. Caligula will be the subject of a future episode, as there's a lot to say about him, and there have been modern attempts to reconsider just how bad of an emperor he really was. But with respect to Claudius, however, Caligula offered him a new opportunity to enter public life. In the year 37, Caligula appointed himself as consul, and Claudius as his co-consul. In theory, it was to honor his father and Claudius's brother Germanicus, but it may just have been to mock Claudius. Throughout the reign of Caligula, he tormented Claudius. He picked on him, played jokes on him, and humiliated him in front of the Senate. Claudius, in many ways, served the role of a court jester. As terrible as Caligula was to Claudius, he was pretty terrible to everyone around him. It eventually caught up with him on January 24th in the year 41, when he was assassinated by members of his Praetorian Guard. They didn't just kill Caligula, they also killed his wife and his daughter, and several other high-ranking Romans. Claudius was witness to much of it, and fearing that they may be looking to wipe out the entire imperial family, Claudius hid in the royal palace. According to legend, the Praetorian guards found him hiding behind a curtain, and upon finding Claudius, they proclaimed him emperor and took him to their camp for protection. While the Praetorian guard had proclaimed Claudius as emperor, the rest of the Senate was arguing amongst themselves about who should be emperor. When they had found that the Praetorians had elevated Claudius, it was kind of a done deal. Claudius had the army on his side. The entire affair has been debated by historians for centuries. Was Claudius aware of the assassination plot? Was he actually the one behind it? Did the Praetorian Guard proclaim him emperor because they thought he could be easily manipulated? We do know that Claudius quickly consolidated his power. He executed some of the top conspirators, but gave a general amnesty to everyone else. He also gave a hefty bonus to the Praetorian Guard. Most surprisingly, Many of the physical ailments that Claudius suffered from throughout his entire life either disappeared or greatly diminished when he became emperor. Claudius himself later explained that he exaggerated his condition so he would never be considered a threat or put in harm's way. As emperor, Claudius proved himself to be a very capable administrator. He expanded the empire for the first time in decades since Augustus. Most famously under his reign, Rome conquered much of the island of Great Britain. He would hear legal cases personally and pass judgment. He was responsible for several major public works projects, including the creation of two aqueducts to Rome. He created a new port in Ostia for grain shipments from Egypt. He provided insurance for vessels carrying grain to ensure that there was a steady supply in Rome year-round. He reformed the Senate and Roman religious practices. He was extremely fond of gladiatorial games and attended them regularly. He would watch games for hours in rapt attention and would cheer with the rest of the crowd, which was highly unusual for an emperor. Claudius's personal life was pretty much a disaster. He was married four times. His first marriage ended in divorce when he accused his wife of adultery. His second marriage ended when his wife unexpectedly died on the day of their wedding. His third marriage was to a woman named Messalina. History has not been kind to Messalina. She was reported to have been scheming and manipulative. She was also, and how shall I put this to keep the show very family-friendly, very, very, very promiscuous. She eventually was married to another man while still married to Claudius, a.k.a. the Roman Emperor. This was seen as a plot to take the throne, and Messalina and her lover were both executed. 
His final wife was his niece and the daughter of his brother Germanicus, Agrippina the Younger. Agrippina had been previously married and had a son by the name of Nero. By all accounts, Agrippina was also manipulative and did what she could to have Nero named as the successor to Claudius. Spoiler alert, she was successful. Claudius ultimately met his demise on October 13th in the year 54 at the age of 63. He had reigned for 13 years. His death was under suspicious circumstances, and some believe that Agrippina poisoned him. According to one story, he died after eating a poisoned mushroom. In another version, the poison didn't work, so his doctor, acting under orders from Agrippina, shoved a feather dipped in poison down his throat. Still, other historians think that he died of natural causes. His adopted son Nero succeeded him as emperor at the age of 16, which, as history shows us, almost never works out. Nero went down in history as an emperor on a par with Caligula, the pair serving as horrible bookends to the reign of Claudius. Nero had Claudius's only son Britannicus murdered at the age of 13 within a year of taking power, and Nero later killed his own mother Agrippina, who tried to control him. Claudius was truly a paradox and unlike any other Roman emperor. He was never trained or prepared to become emperor, yet by all accounts he did a very good job. Despite being a member of the royal family, he was very low-brow in his tastes, enjoying gladiatorial games and gambling, and often cavorted with publians. He was quick to anger like many emperors, but he also recognized his weakness and would apologize after his angry outbursts. Despite having grown up being ridiculed by his own family about his intelligence, he proved to be the greatest intellectual emperor ever other than perhaps Marcus Aurelius. Most significantly, Claudius was physically disabled and the leader of the world's largest empire, something which simply did not happen at this point in history. In the end, he managed to ascend to the position of emperor by not drawing attention to himself and ultimately hiding behind a curtain. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. I just want to thank everyone, including the show's producers, who support the show over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, just head over to Patreon.com, which is currently the only place where you can get show merchandise. Also, if you want to talk to other listeners about the show, head over to our Facebook group or Discord server, both of which have links in the show notes.